Okay, good. I like that. All right. Robert likes it. That's Judas Priest uh, doing the green Manalishi with the two-pronged crown, which many people are shocked to learn was a Fleetwood Mac song. What kind of spam are we I'm doing? getting spam. I'm sorry, guys. I forgot to turn my notifications off. Let me do that real quick. <laughs> I don't know what you did that. Uh, there we go. There we go. But, um... Yeah, it was a cover of a Fleetwood Mac song, which when they did it, it was extraordinarily lame. I don't know how Priest realized that that needed to be fixed, but they fixed it. They fixed it. Now, here a little uh, Yeah, another thing that needs to be fixed is that this tech for this is just. What are you going to do with them? I'm going to stick them in the downstairs bathroom. All right, cat yeah, shoes. Cat problems. Yeah. Yep. The so, new addition is Chuck. Yeah. And he's about six weeks old. Six weeks old. Chuck. Total pest right now. Yep. He can be a pest from the laundry room downstairs. Uh, Tonight we're going to uh, talk about some uh, long-range shooting myths. We're going to plug them in intermittently throughout this show. And uh, we will probably do more in the future. Just plug them into the rhetoric as the show goes on. Uh, so look look for that. Um, we will um, touch on um, a few other points I wanted to make. But, uh, so what are we starting out with here? I think we see what Vlad Putin's doing. Yeah, uh, me and Dan were talking the other night. It was just, It's funny and sad at the same time, but uh, basically what he's done in Ukraine is he rounded up his, his weakest components, you know, military war machine components, and he sent those in first, and it was kind of a meat shield thing, obviously, obviously he's got... crummy soldiers, or right. bad soldiers, he sends in junk equipment, and the tires are rotting mm-hmm. off of it, and, um, you know, and the idea being, because he's winning now, that's the untold story, uh, and then Chairman Biden comes out, let's see, yesterday morning, and says, well, we told Zelensky that, uh, the uh, problem was coming, and that uh, Putin was going to attack, and which yeah. is gay because what the U.S. actually told Zelensky is that we would protect Ukraine if they gave up their nuke. And that, you know, wasn't that Obama? That, that, was, that was Obama, but I mean the inference was America will. I mean when one president speaks like that, especially concerning the safety of another nation, it's taken as that will be honored. But I mean, yeah, what a deal. But uh, so it looks like Putin used the ancient. Roman tactic called the meat shield. Yeah. You send the peasants, you let people out of prison. Yep. And give them, them a pitchfork and, and just wear down the enemy a little bit. That way when the legionnaires come in behind them, they just can mop they up. They just mop up, and that's what seems to be going on now, especially with the chairman backing away. And when we say chairman, we're talking about Biden and his handlers. Biden's handlers, that he is not the president. You have to win the election to be president. Anyone who ever says President Biden in front of me, I always correct him, and so should you, and uh, sort him out there. Right. Anyway, um, we are sipping a little Johnny Walker Black tonight uh, from, uh, gosh, we've got some non-gay glasses. glasses. These are, these these glasses that uh, Counselor Andrew, yes, Counselor Andrew sends, (laughs) mine says there comes a time when a man must spit on his hands, hoist the black flag, and begin to slit throats. And we're there, buddy. Right. Mine, which I call dibs on, this one he is... called uh, dibs on that one. Yeah, this one says, I maintain a certain moral flexibility. I maintain I like a that. certain moral I flexibility. Like he knows as well. <laughs> but, uh, but no, these, Thank you. Yeah, very much. Thank you, Andrew. Definitely like the glasses. Mm. And, uh, I mean, you really did have a point. Those other little snifters we were using there, they... Okay. Okay, I mean... free free. Yeah. Ain't no doubt. <coughs> All right, so on to to myths of long range shooting. And we're going to intersperse these myths throughout the show tonight. So just to uh, keep things <coughs> mixed up and flowing. Let's well, go ahead and get one out of the way here. Myth: The 308 is good to about 800 yards. Right. That is something that uh, when we started the school, uh, actually, I mean, you were operating it several years before I really got into it. You know, this is back 2011, 12, 13. I think I got into it about 2014. But um, you would tell our clients if, um, 
to try to get the 175 Sierra Match King Federal Gold Medal Match Ammo if they're bringing the 308, and not to bring the 168s unless that's just all they could get their hands on. And see, back in this era here uh, that we're talking about, you could get pretty much whatever you wanted. I mean, it wasn't really scarce or anything like that. So we, we definitely leaned heavily towards the 175s. Uh, but what would happen is we'd see a lot of clients come and they either didn't listen to instructions very well or something that like that. Happens. That never happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to travel halfway across the country. I'm going to spend $400 on a motel, $400 on a class, and I ain't going to listen to a damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, anyway, they'd bring the 168s and, you know, you would just go, well, we'll see how far it'll go. And what you discovered is that they went every bit as far as the 175s did. They didn't tumble. They didn't destabilize. They get very accurate hits out to 1,200 yards. Yeah, that and soldier from Fort Bragg hit the mile rock half a dozen times yeah. with a gold medal 168 yeah. out of a factory Remington. Yeah, and I believe, if, if I remember right, the muzzle velocity on that was only about 25, 2550. It wasn't even smoking or nothing like that. So it, it can be done. Now, one thing, one little caveat here. And now, they will do well at sea level, but not as well. At the higher elevations, the the transonic area of a lot of... The Bruce Jenner sonic. Yeah, the Bruce Jenner sonic area of a lot Perry of... Hashtag pride. Is, is better at higher elevation, and that is true. We are at 2,800 feet, and so that, that may be part of the reason why they just perform flawlessly up here, even up to a mile. I have heard some credible people say that uh, at sea level they don't do as well, but they do a lot better than the, a lot of these tactically hut huts show up and try to tell you they do. Well, the thing that most people are teaching out there in the, in the schools, they teach what they've been taught. They teach the same thing, and instead of observing, you know, observational science as. Uh, Ken Ham would call it. Right, and modifying your belief based on what you're seeing happening. Yeah. Not what you've been told. It's not, you know, long-range shooting cannot be treated, you know, in this religious fashion that it, it oftentimes is, where yeah. you just cannot even think about changing a viewpoint. Yeah, um, you have to just look at what's going on and adjust your truth model to reflect reality. Yes. And, you know, this is... Uh, you know, examples of other schools doing the opposite of that. They're still teaching. They're spending a ton of time on reticle ranging targets. Even though it doesn't work? It doesn't work well at all. It's a complete waste of time in a real-world situation. Uh, I, I will add, it does work. I don't mean to say, it. you know, you can't do it. But the reason it turns up errors is you have to be more precise. Than, than you can be. Than, and then you have to have a target perfectly proportioned, exactly the size, uh, perpendicular to your line of sight. Come on, guys. Yeah, this it has to be perfectly still. And the other kicker here is reticles. And yes, obviously, if you're running a nice night four scope, you're going to have a perfectly true reticle. I have seen several vortexes, especially in the Gen 1 PST uh, column, that the reticles were actually off by about a tenth of a mil and, uh, on the calibration. And if you're off a tenth of a mil on the calibration, your reticle ranging goes totally out the window. If it's a twentieth of a mil off on the calibration, it goes totally out the window. A few yards off, and so you know, basically, when we teach our classes, we tell I tell people if you find yourself in a critical shot situation, having to reticle range your target before you shoot, you've planned so poorly, you need to retreat. Um, you need to know that area, know the distances, the things out there in that area, so you don't have to laze anything. You make a range card and draw the terrain out there and objects down range and distances. Make that during times of peace with your rangefinder. Um, borrow one if you don't have or one. You can use uh, Google Earth, the ruler feature on That's there. That's exactly right. It, uh, it works very well. It's actually scary how accurate that is. The, the, the ruler feature on Google Earth, find that uh, location. It is it is dead nuts on. Yeah. So, and it also shows you elevation. Which can be very handy. It absolutely can. So, um, another myth, we'll go ahead and get one more out of the way, and then we'll, we'll talk about some other political stuff. But uh, I just, this one's kind of been weighing on me for a while. Is just so many people get wrapped around the axle of chronograph-driven load development, and I can't stand it. Or these ladder tests they'll do at 300 yards, and, and stuff like that, and they're not shooting them properly, and it's not going to yield you your best load. And see, what happens so often is you'll get somebody shooting a 6.547 or a 6-dasher 
or even a 308 in some cases can fall into this category if you've got the right combination of barrel and, and, uh, and receiver and all that fun stuff. You will find a load that is not the best load for that gun, but it is still so darn good because you just can't pick a bad load with the combination that you have that uh, you're just going to think that what you just did is going to yield the best load anytime you try that, that same, same test. No. And uh, this is not the case. Like I said before, with a 6.547 and 6 Dasher in particular, also true of the 6BR and uh, several other cartridges, 300 PRC can probably fall into this category too. Um, you, you're not going to be able to, to find your best load by looking at chronograph data or ladder tests at 300 yards. Yeah, you need, really, if you do the OCW test and select the correct load, you're golden. You don't even need to chronograph it. Nope. Take it out and shoot it and plug in the velocity that trues your chart, and you're finished. Yeah, so, um, I mean, people like to do that, and they, uh, they continue to do it. And um, and some people want to do both. You know, they shoot the OCW, and they just check the speed. But That's fine if you were just curious information. But the other thing, too, I will just add to that, is a lot of times the very best load for your rifle is not going to have the best extreme spread that you could get. I mean, some people will throw out a 15-foot-a-second extreme spread load because another load that they shot had a 5-foot-a-second extreme spread, and they just automatically assume that that 5-foot-a-second extreme spread load is going to shoot better downrange. The other thing they assume is it's going to be 5-second extreme spread. Any day of the week. per second next time they go out. Right. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, it, it, it is not. You know, I've shot across chronographs for many, many years, and, you know, most people, they develop the load, they use the chronograph, and they never try it again. You know, see if you get that magical extreme spread a month down down the right. I, I see all these people on on Facebook forums and stuff, and they're they're posting these pictures with their magneto speed screen, and they've got like a three or four shot string, and the extreme spread is like two feet per second or something like that. And it's like, <laughs> and, well, uh, and, 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 I and it's like, they, and, I mean, come on, it, come out tomorrow say, yeah. and do the same thing. And, you know, give it a week. And yeah, <laughs> it, it's uh, it's probably gonna be there. But an OCW load is good day in, day out. The other thing people fail to realize is chronographs are not the gospel. They make mistakes I all sure the time. I mean, sometimes it's only a 10-foot-per-second error in what the actual velocity was. Sometimes it's a 30-foot-a-second error in what the actual velocity was. So, I mean, people just treat it like it's 100% reliable, and this is why you cannot develop a load just using the chronograph. Yeah, exactly. Um, heard... Uh, from one of our listeners, Drives for Yellow Freight. <coughs> he, um, <laughs> you know, we, we some of the truckers that have been to our classes or who listen to the podcast, they know where we're set up at. <laughs> and, uh, drive They'll honk the horn while they're... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's pretty nice. You know, uh, I always try to wave. I don't know if they can see me, but we, we appreciate that. Um, he suggested, we've touched on this in the past, but I think it's high time we do this again. Communications, and it, you know when trouble comes, if you don't have cell phones working, or cell phones can be monitored. Yeah. You know. Um, it's not safe communication. Right. You know, you can use code code language on a CB if you have to to communicate to your small group. Um, but what kind of uh, if you don't have a CB radio, uh, what you don't have to sync a fortune a little Unidem Pro 510 XL. They still make it. The 520 is a tiny upgrade, but I don't know if it's worth the extra money. The old standard design of the Cobra 25 and 29, very rugged, hard to beat. I can say this because I worked on CVs for many, many years, modding them, putting in channel kits, putting in Conex boards, which is an echo board. You don't need an echo board for, for comms, unless you just want to sound like a super trucker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, those are some... You know, tried and true designs, a Uniden, uh, the 68, the 78, um, you know, on those two models that kind of correspond to the Cobra 25, 29. A good antenna is more important than a good radio. K40s are real good. We love the K40. They kind of went out of production for a while, but they're back again. You can still get them old ones on eBay, too. You can see them on there. Yeah, they the standard K40, 60 to $80. Uh, it mounts on the edge of the trunk or the edge of your hood, or if your vehicle doesn't have a body panel that allows for that, you can uh, buy some 
uh, bracket. Magnet mount. Well, you can, yes, put a magnet mount. There's a magnet mount adapter for the K40. Uh, your all-time best CB antenna is going to be a 102-inch long width. Every CB antenna, you need that bottle opener. No, this is not the gay oh. caps that you have to take off with a bottle opener. I like those caps. Uh, they're not gay. They're a little... It's they're little, not free-free. Uh, maybe, uh. maybe a touch. But back to talking about the antennas, the 102-inch whip you said. Well, every, every CB antenna... Other, you know, that's shorter than 102 inches of aluminum or steel, um, steel whip, I should say. It's a compromise. It's trying to be 102 inches long with a coil pack around the antenna. Gotcha. And it's mimicking that. And there are some really good ones out there. The K40s go, and a lot of your Wilsons are good. Uh, but if you have the room and you got the darn whip, you can't beat it. Yeah. You know, if you if you don't mind it hitting the drive-through when you go to McDonald's. Yeah. But. Um, uh, and why do you want these comps communications? If things got rough enough, folks, you don't roll out without cover, backup. You know, a quarter mile behind you, no more than a half mile behind you, maybe ahead of you, maybe there's three of you. One of you gets stopped, stopped by somebody who's working for the deep state and just doing yeah. my job, sir. Yeah, and then all of a sudden they're going to be like, He is not listening to my authority. <laughs> and you got to have some backup so you can be all... And that's how it goes. Yeah, get it out of the way, because, I mean, you're going to have UN thugs uh, come in here at some point, and they're going to try to enforce the stuff that your local law enforcement aren't going to be willing to do. And, uh, and that's because the UN thugs, they don't care about you, they don't care about America, uh, they, they probably want you to resist so they can have something to shoot at. They but uh, that, is, um, that fortunately for us, that is something that we have in common. So, uh... <laughs> well, in any event, uh, you may need to call on help. And just general, you know, safety checks. So, you know, some friends across town. You guys alright? Yeah, yeah, we're cool. Y'all need anything? No, we're good. Y'all need anything? No. All, all's good, or maybe all isn't good. Sure. And that's how you let, let people know. Yeah, the uh, CDs are, are a really good way of doing that. So we talk about um, allies. And I, and I came up with a personality type the other day that you do not want any sort of an alliance with. And this might not sound like it makes a lot of sense initially. But uh, you don't want to have anything, you know, too close to do with a grudge holder. Now you find this person, oh, I'm, I'm pro-Constitution, I'm, I'm all these things. And then you start to learn that they have some deeply held grudges against other people that they're not letting go of. Um, that really, to be honest, it is an emotional immaturity in my opinion. You know, you, you get this crap off your windshield, you get it off your desktop, and you move forward. Well, I mean, it's also important to notice there's not, there is a difference between holding a grudge against somebody personally and then just not liking the person or just, you know, not wanting to, to deal with them. Well, no, you don't have to deal with them, no doubt. You don't have to. You know, I think that tick that I saw earlier. Oh boy. Did it get you? Well Yeah, probably. Hey. He's not he's not latched on because he's gone, but I think I see where You might have plan, plan on setting up hey cat guys if I'm dead of uh, what is that you get? Lone Star disease. Well what what do you do then move to Texas? <laughs> yeah, I wish it were that simple. Unfortunately that's a pretty nasty thing. But Texas is a good thing. Yeah, Texas is pretty kitty. But how could you go to Texas and not be able to eat all the red meat they got down there? That would suck. Oh, Lone Star, you can't eat red meat. That's right. That would. It gives your, your body an allergy to it to where it makes you very, very sick. Man, eat. that's terrible. It really is. It, I think you can overcome it, uh, but it takes a long time. I think there's a lot of antibiotics and stuff that can. You have to be eating, like, fish. Perfect. Yeah, I think, like, fish is good. Mm. What were uh, we talking about before you like totally derailed us there? Comms, comms. You know, yeah, we talked about that, and we talked about allies and grudge holders, and I don't like being around grudge holders. 
And, I agree. You know, I, people that want to bring this person up all the time, did this, did that, get the hell over it. Yeah. You know, if, if you need to do something about it, go do whatever it is about it and, and get past it. But uh, I'm... Um, I have just noticed some some of this, you know, even in some of our smaller circles, and and it's uh, it gives you pause, you know. It's yeah. a personality type that, to me, is rooted pretty much in immaturity. Sure. All right, another myth that we will cover is that you need to load the bipod when you're shooting long range. You lay down behind the gun, you push into the bipod. If you don't, you're just um, suck. But uh, <laughs> you, you don't just suck during Pride Month. You suck, through, you know, the whole year, all whole year long. <laughs> but that's not true. Oh, yeah, I used to teach people to load the bipod because that's what I was taught to do, and uh, I, you know, would always thought, okay, it helps me with my recoil control a little bit, and uh, you know, that's just what I'm going to do. And I said, oh, even like the little shooting mats and stuff, they have the little webs there so you can, can put your bipod in it and push into it. So it must be a good thing if they're putting them on there. And uh, <laughs> the more I did that, uh, I got obsessed with it. And I had a Harris SLM. I drilled the feet out of it and put broadhead points in it so I could actually stick it into the ground. I'm sure everybody that's got a, a nice bipod is going to have seen the little feet adapters that you can get for them that, uh, that have the spikes so you can stab them in the ground and just really rrr, get into the, the loading of it. And um, I found that I could shoot a good group loading the bipod like that, but the point of impact of that group would change depending on how much pressure that I was pushing in. And you don't have any sort of gauge or meter that will tell you how much you're pushing in every single shot. One shot you may have six pounds pushing into it, the next one you may only have four. Uh, on the 308 that I had that bipod on, at 400 yards, I would notice a half minute of angle shift in the point of impact of the group, whether I was loading it or not loading it. Now, half minute of angle at 400 yards, I'm only talking about two inches here. This isn't a huge, huge deal, but on the guns that I shoot, I can see that difference, and I want to eliminate every variable that I possibly can. So I don't push or pull on the gun anymore. I just kind of let it sit where it wants to. I don't totally free recoil the shot, but I almost do. I do have some cheek contact, and I have good shoulder contact where there's no space in between the stock and my shoulder. But beyond that contact, I'm not pushing into the gun. Because once you do that, you're going to impart some torque onto the rifle that under recoil is, is going to throw your shot off slightly different each and every time. That being said, I know some good competition shooters that still prefer to do it. And if, if it's working for you... If that's what you like to do, then then by all means do it. But I think you'd be a little bit more gauge consistent. your way. Yeah, gauge yeah. your way. That's okay. But yeah. uh, I think you'd be a little bit more consistent. No, that's fine. Load it if you want. I think you'd be a little bit more consistent <laughs> if you if you didn't push or pull. Let it sit. Down. Let it rest. And, and we really started to notice this with the very sturdy AccuTac bipod. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to go ahead and I'll touch I'll touch Tear the up. third, fourth, and fifth rails here. Tear it up. Um, I tell you what. We get to see these things. We get to see all these different bipods. We saw on that AI-50 Browning, yeah. it was the MDT. Skypod. Or Sidepod, a lot they, of people yeah, call it. Yeah, they're calling Retails for close to a grand. I mean, think you can get A lot of them are over a grand. The one that was on the 50 was the $1,200 bottle. Yeah. Uh, very cantankerous to use. Very user-unfriendly. Very... Mm -hmm. Very gets his ass kicked by an AccuTac. Big time. Big time. I, I mean, the adjustments on it are so hard to use. Especially well, I watched you working with it. I watched the client working with it. It's just cringeworthy. It really is. For as much as these cost. And I know what they're going to say. Well, you just need to learn how to no, run it, Terry. No, you look, don't. You don't. You don't. You, you know. You don't. You don't know how to work it. If you don't. Know, you know. That's yeah. what's good here. Well, if if. The company there wants to be gay, which it wouldn't surprise me if they were. Then I would. They're I would probably not, but they I mean, have learned. I'd, I'd be willing to they tackle learned that. how to squeeze that lemon. I'm telling you that. Yeah, right I'll now. tell you. Good they day in the morning. I mean, I'll tell you the biggest. The drawback of those MDT Skypods is when you draw the legs all the way out, uh, or even just halfway out, or whatever, and you want to get them back in, and you take the weight of the rifle off of the bipod, you lift it up slightly, like you would normally do on on most bipods. And uh, and you push the the little lever in to to retract the leg, and it won't freaking go. You have I had to twice I had to use two hands to get the thing to retract, and it was no, oiled. I mean, it I, wasn't dry. It wasn't anything like that. And I've seen other people use this thing. They, they suck. I struggle with them. I mean, an AccuTac just is smooth. 
here's what the, the detractors will say. But my thousand dollar bipod, I can pan left and right without pivot. Moving. Yeah. Is that what they're calling it pivot? Well, it's really panning. Yeah, it's panning or pivot. But, I um, mean, it, it basically that is a function that will gain you absolutely nothing in the real world if you can't pivot your own bike. Likely. Yeah. No. I mean, you can you can pick the bob and an Agitex firm enough that you can. When you twist it, we're not sponsored, but oh, no. I'm just telling you <clears throat> that we get to see it all. And if you're gonna spend four hundred dollars, or if you have four hundred dollars to spend on a bipod, the Accutech is the one for you. If you only have a hundred dollars to spend on a bipod, the Harris SLM, that's what's for you. I don't really recommend the the Atlas bipods. They run into so, sort of similar issues. Well, with that them. one that you got off of Petrowski is pretty cool. But it's pretty dabbling expensive. It's, about, it's actually only about $450, uh, which is pretty expensive for a bipod. But, uh, well, that's pretty nice. Yeah, it's a nice bipod. I mean, it, it looked like Atlas was trying to become less gay. gay. Yeah. You know, it's, it doesn't, it's not all limp and everything. It, <laughs> you know, it's got, it's got it, what do they call it? The Viagra. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, that, that's a good bipod. But a good bipod is an important thing to have. But loading the bipod... Not necessary. And it's not, I also wanted to add, it's not going to give you better recoil control. The more that I've looked into it and the more I've tried it both ways with a lot of different designs, as long as I maintain firm shoulder contact, and I, when I say firm shoulder contact, I don't want to mean like really firm. I just mean there's no space in between the stock and my shoulder. I'm not going to see any difference in recoil control pushing into it or, or just kind of letting it sit where it wants to. Yeah. Uh, put, put it this way, I'll just make this real quick. If you're on target, if you get your center crosshair perfectly on target, and you slowly relax every muscle in your body, and just slowly pull off the gun, and the crosshair drifts 10 feet high, you're pushing the two You're down. doing it wrong. <clears throat> the way you want to set up the shot, and the way I demonstrate to people, because it's not that hard to do once you learn how to do it, you want to, to set up the shot every single time. If you're in a prone position, that is. It's not always possible if you're in other positions. I get that. But if you're in the prone position, you want to set it up to where you get the crosshair dead center on target, and you can slowly back off the gun, and the crosshair doesn't even move an inch. There you go. And once you're doing that, you're going to take all the human error, or as much of the human error off of the shot as you can. And uh, that's going to make your consistency go up, and when your consistency goes up, your accuracy will go up. Exactly. So uh, I was just scanning the page here, rantingly.com. Um, I've seen a few other stories. Uh, it appears that that Putin's getting his way in Ukraine. Did I mention that at the onset, or we just we did? Um, yeah, we just yeah we, did. we talked about that. But did we talk about the fact that it looks like he's going right? In? And his tactic apparently was get rid of the old '60s and '70s military equipment that's falling apart. That just you really throw it at them. It basically throw it at them. Almost like a flashbang. Yeah. And, and then, then the real stuff comes in. Yeah, that looks like what he's done. Maybe so. I mean, but anyway, y'all keep your eyes on that. I, I, if we would just maybe just pull back and not support this disaster, uh, and quit worrying about our bioweapons labs and and Joe Biden's cocaine addict son, what he's got going on over there, <clears throat> pull out of it, and. Uh, we might accidentally, in quotes, get some lower fuel prices. This has gotten way, I, I way out of hand. I, I doubt we're going to get any lower fuel prices because <clears throat> now that they've they've soared to where they are, I think best case scenario they just don't go up from where they're at. I, but well, I think we may have. I might have mentioned this last week. I'm going to do it again if I did. If I'm Governor DeSantis of Florida, if I'm Governor Abbott of Texas. As these other southern state governors, like, you know what? If we start, if we start this research up and this exploration up and this drilling up, what you gonna do about it? What y'all gonna do? And we're gonna do it, and we're gonna go ahead and reactivate some refineries that that you bunch of rain, rainbow flag Pride Month thugs made us shut down. Yeah. And um, you know, so. You get ready, trigger. Well, yeah, I think I think for all the rainbow flag crap and just what they've done with our fuel, what you have to do is you gotta get your Vietnam jungle boots on. Now these are Vietnam jungle boots. Cost you half as much, last you twice as long, and they're great for stomping queers. Of course, when you're done, you gotta clean out the waffle with a stick. But what the hell, you can't have everything, right? 
Am I right or wrong? Oh, he's right. Well, so, yeah, I mean, that, that you know, put that attitude out there. Like, we would like to continue cooperating with the United States federal government, and we will to the extent that we're able. But we're not going to start our citizens. We're not going to watch the country go down the drain and us go along with it. We're going to get some affordable oil and gasoline back above ground. And you know who would move there? Virtually anybody with a brain. I know. You know, and people would be flocking to these more economically viable, feasible, yeah. feasible territories. Well, I mean, we, we know this because look at California. Look at what they've done. And then we're getting to a point here. And they're leaving California and coming and making and, and voting the same way in these other places, which ain't cool. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's it's really, it's bad. I mean, it's it's, it's kind of like smoking. smoking. So, first of all, uh, smoking's bad. You shouldn't smoke. And uh, alcohol is bad. You shouldn't drink alcohol. And uh, as for drugs, well, drugs are bad. You shouldn't do drugs. Okay, that about wraps up my introduction. Look at that. Uh, Six millimeter cartridges that are being commonly used. Now, they've gotten popular in... um, What the heck? (laughs) Sorry. That was rude. (laughs) They've gotten popular in PRS because they little to no recoil. And that's appreciable. You know, that's cool. I mean, you know, 105 grain bullets smacking some fleshly target at 1,000 yards, it's going to do the job. Yeah, it will. Well, we know that. I mean, Brandon Smith dropped that deer 930-some yards with a a, um, 105 Hornady AMAC. And and by the time it hit the target, it was was only doing, I think, like 1,300 feet per second. And he took pictures of the wound channel and pictures of what the bullet looked like under the The high. The deer didn't move. No, it did. It, it dropped. So, so I mean, the shot it, 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 so, You know, these things are viable. I'm not. I'm not dissing on six millimeters. I have a two forty three. It's my. If I had to get rid of everything, I'd keep that one. My old Remington seven eighty eight with a Douglas. Douglas number barrel. seven. Let's talk Douglas here in a little bit. I, not just right now, but don't let me forget. Um, but in any event, the six GT versus the six BR versus the six Dasher. And there's an XC, and there's a LGBT. Yeah, there's there's all kinds of six millimeter cartridges out there right now. Uh, the main ones I think I'll address are just your your shorty six millimeters, like your your Dasher, your BR, your GT, and there, there's a couple other ones out there that are a little bit more obscure. But those are going to be the three main ones you run into if you're going to a, like a PRS match or something like that. But uh, if somebody were to, to ask me my pick between those three, it's going to be pretty easily Dasher, just simply because there's at least three companies making brass for it now, and that used to not be the case. Five years ago, that wasn't the case. Did um, anyone ever figure out how to get them things to feed from a box? Mount? Oh, yeah, I did. I mean, um, it feed good. It fed, fed great. I mean, but uh, there's some kits that you can get that basically put a block inside the mag that shortens it a little bit, and that helps a lot. Is that similar to what Robert De Niro did when he wore the four-inch <laughs> platform soles in that movie so he wouldn't look like such a shrimp? <laughs> yeah. Got to have a little compensation here, Terry. Yeah. I have a short one here, so uh, <laughs> need a little block in there. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, fine. This look, you know, this. I'm totally against the grain. Uh, unless it's grain alcohol, I'm yeah. not against that. And I'm running low. Yeah, well, I have to get you some more here after the podcast. No, after the podcast. Not after. I ain't had that much. You shorted me tonight. I put a block in my magazine. <laughs> uh, the All blocks right. in the mags, the short cartridges, they help, and you can get them to run right. But uh, a lot of people help. have trouble if you don't know how to properly mag tune. Which is maybe something that I'll dig back into, not tonight, but on another podcast. It's, it's something that you should know how to do. If you're running a box mag-fed rifle, you need to learn how to tune the mag properly. And uh, I've made videos doing this before and just show you the basics on what you, you can do to make them feed a lot better. And uh, But anywho... If, if a 6 millimeter is what you desire, I'm not against that. Uh, up until recently, I would have said your best sensible option is the 243 Winchester. Yeah. And it's still a very good option very good. if you want a 6. You can get small rifle primer <clears throat> brass for it and run it just as hot as you can a 6 Freedmore. 
Oh, yeah, and it's got a little more uh, case room than a Creed. Tech, yeah, it does, but the shoulder angle of the Creed more does allow it to get the same velocities, but they're totally neck and neck. One cartridge does not have an advantage over the other unless you're talking about availability of brass and the Fallen Society, then the 243 is going to rise to the top. You'll find that brass You're going to find the 243. It. If you want to run a 105 at 2850 like you would be doing out of a Dasher, let's say, you can get them a little faster out of a Dasher. Yeah, you can get them 29 pretty, pretty easily. Well, if you want to do that out of the 243, that's easily done. You could push it above 3,000, yeah. but if you want to run it a little slower, you can. Yeah, the, the 243 and the 6 Creedmoor do have about 100 feet a second on the dasher, uh, but you see, is that extra 8 grains of powder that you have to use, or, or at least 6.5 to 7 grains of powder you got to use to get that 100 feet a second, is that worth it? I mean, to me, it, it did kind of make me wonder, well, I, I think I'll go, I'll cut the the feet per second a little bit and save some powder and recoil and, and stuff like that. But Yeah, I, I, what the reason I said what it did is we find people leave brass with us all the time. And you can get brass. If you're shooting a 6.5 Creedmoor, you can buy one fire brass. You can pick up range brass. It has become so popular you can find it just as easily pretty much. As a 308. Yeah. You know, it's, just, it's gotten about as ubiquitous as the 308. Notice how I use that word. Yeah, and you got through it pretty darn good, I, I think. I did. You know why? Because you got me on the wagon. This ain't right, man. Give me something over there. Uh, all right, goodness. <laughs> Love what you do now. <laughs> trying to not give I'm me trying to compensate for that last podcast. That, that was... Last podcast was fine. Well, it was... I don't know. It was, <laughs> it was a little out there. It wasn't a little gay. Don't no, it, it wasn't a little gay, for Weird. sure. That's not us. I'm not doing that. Did y'all hear that beautiful Johnny Walker black pouring into that? My raised black flag glass. Yeah, and I got some in my... counselor. I maintain a certain moral flexibility. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you need to. You know, you can't run up against your morals when well, you immorality call... might be called for in that moment. Right, and you see, you know, you call Andrew a moral compass... But at the same time, he is the one that just had it just in his mind that he was just going to get me drunk that night. I mean, that, that, nothing was no, going to do to him. I mean, did you see that? I had this little, you know, the little glass that he thought was gay, and, and I would just like barely take a sip, and he'd come over there with that Napogue castle and just be, he was just on point. That was I mean, awesome, man. Maybe. It was. That's, what are you doing now? Those, those little trolls in that movie. Uh, that was your fun. Yeah. And I'm the one that's had too much. What are you talking about? You're the one asking for Oreos and more whiskey. Yeah. That means that uh, you need more too. Yeah, I probably do need a little bit more. An Oreo, little Johnny Walker Black. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Ain't a dad blame thing wrong with that. I'm soaking it. Yeah. Good deal. I'm soaking it like the liberals soak the heads of so many out there. So many of the oh minions. boy. Oh, God. <laughs> mm. Mm. oh we're getting there. We're getting there. Mm. We're, we're getting there. I ain't going there. All right, so. All right, I want to talk about. I get, I see this two or three times. No, half a dozen times. And I've even seen it on our Bankstill Facebook page. In the comments of different posts, I am 100% pro gun, Terry. I'm 100% pro Second Amendment. But weapons of war have no place in a civilized society. Wrong. You don't need your AR 15 or your AK 47, Terry. That's. Yeah, Flavors. Yeah, pretty what much. That dog is a gay homosexual. That dog. Here's the thing. The Second Amendment was to keep the government from becoming so powerful and authoritarian that they overrun the people. Well, you know, if you were to ask Thomas Jefferson in the year 2022... What weapons do you think the 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 United States citizenry should own? He would answer that with a question. What are the military carrying? Exactly. And exactly. That's what we should have because he viewed, rightly so, the people were the militia. Yes. 
Amen. Yeah, well, you know, the, the militias, they rose up. I mean, they weren't just, like, on guard ready for the battle, you know, in, say, 1775. They popped up after that. I, I mean, it, it was not just, you know, a lot of them popped up after that anyway. Some of them were formed, obviously, before that. So I saw this thing, and it was, it was um, shared by a fellow patriot. I won't give his whole name. It was Chris. He said, look at this. It was on the Minuteman um, militia forum on Facebook. And if you're a pro-freedom... Are you talking about Long Range Minuteman or the... Uh, long Range Minuteman. Huh. Long Range... Here we are. You know, and it, it is this um, absolute flamer writes this article. And it's published in the Washington Examiner. For the love of God, stop fantasizing about a war between U.S. citizens and their military, Terry. And he goes on to tell you, and, and who is this flaming butt pirate? Cool bag. Flamer. Yeah. Like Beckett Adams. Well, my. Those guys are fags! <laughs> my parents named me Beckett because my butt was like a bucket. And <laughs> okay, that's enough. There's probably some people out there named that. that is you know, probably not. Decent people. This guy's probably the only one. <laughs> no doubt. But he goes on to tell us how how the military would just decimate us. You know. Well, decimate means to reduce by ten percent. After all, Terry. I'm quoting from the article. Terry's not in there, but it's implied. Yeah, it is implied. After all, Terry, what is the pro-Second Amendment crowd going to do about a military-backed gun confiscation program? Oppose the fiercest fighting force in the world with nothing more than body armor and AR-15s? <laughs> okay, what a flaming butt part. But, you know, if gay is his way, it's okay. Until, until July 1st, you flaming Beckett butt bucket. <laughs> well, you know the Melvins. Uh, no, yeah, we don't need to go no, there. No, I'm going there. No, they, the, no, people are going to wonder why we didn't go there. The Melvins, I, they got some riffs, man. Old King Buzzo got some killer riffs, but he 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 screws livestock, and he's got this song called Honey Bucket, oh, and, uh, okay. and this is the Bucket Bucket, and he's talking about how we can't <laughs> be. You know, if that mindset had ruled today in 1774 or five, we wouldn't be here. No. It would be, what are you going to do with King George's army? He's got all those boats and those cannons and those horses and all of those muscular men riding them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can't beat them. You can't beat them, so you might as well, you know, what can you do? Just show them your bucket. <laughs> Hopefully they'll satiate themselves and, and, and leave me alone. But not for long. I don't want them to leave me alone for long. <laughs> I need a daily piercing of the toes, Terry. <laughs> okay. okay. I'm almost out of notes. I, I doubt that. How far are we in? Oh, we're not far enough. We need another 15 minutes. Of a dumpster fire. A dumpster fire. Long range <coughs> shooting myths. You have got a clip beetle on your arm, just letting you know. As long as it's not a tick, I don't care. It's something on your arm there. Where? It, it looks like a What is that thing? Where? On your forearm on the outer side. You, you're not... There? No, forget it. Forget it. I don't see anything. Oh, wait, there it is. <laughs> Dang, what the hell is that? <laughs> I don't know. Just... Dang, ghosting a succubus of some kind. What is that? I don't know. I just wanted to let you know about it. it was... You know what that is? What is that? No, actually, I'm not sure what that is. Look at that. That, I think, is a sodden piece of Oreo with a little bit of Johnny Walker Black that I got on my arm. I think that's what it is. Yeah, you scared me a minute here. That tick bit me earlier. I'm going to have to move to Texas and eat fish. Yeah. All right, back to shooting myths. Do we have anything else for this ghost? I have something. Yeah. But you freaked me out because I do have, like, anxiety when I find lesions in places they should not be, which is anywhere on this 58-year-old carcass of a body of mine. Um, right, I know we got something else to talk we're about. Talking, we're going to talk about myths. 
Did we have another miss? Yeah, I think I think it was just probably something else. Another uh, miss. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about one here real quick. Uh, getting straight behind the rifle. You hear a lot of these tactical hut huts show up at these PRS matches, or they'll try to teach you something, and they show up like. Are you ready to take on scene command in three, two, one? I'm in charge. See, and that's their attitude, and they'll tell you that if you're not getting perfectly straight behind the gun with your legs spread out, that you're not going to get your perfect recoil control. Well, I do have my legs spread out, but I'm not straight. <laughs> anyway, that, that's not true with the recoil control. Um, you can get perfect recoil control if you're a right-handed shooter and you're keeping your right leg perfectly in line with the gun and your left leg is slightly off to the side, not way off to the side, but slightly off to the side. It works. The Marine Corps taught it that way for a hundred years. And people. it gets you perfect recoil control. Yeah. You do not get better control by getting straight behind it with your legs spread out. I mean, you know, you got to be careful because with Top Jimmy at some of these matches, if you're getting in that position, if you're liable to... To, uh, I don't know. Look me straight in the eye and tell me you're not going to meet me at Motel 6 tonight at 10 o'clock. <laughs> I'm getting ready to douse another Oreo, except I don't want any, like, leech-shaped lesions dripping onto my arm for the, from this. You yeah. can't soak them too long. Yeah, a, a 10 seconds is perfect. Any, mm. Much longer than 10 seconds, and they just get mushy. Mmm. Okay, boy, what else we got about uh, mitts? Let's, uh, I'll, I'll address one here. Any seasoned long-range shooter is going to know this already, but uh, to the newer shooters, this is, is something that I might want to dispel here. And that is you need a ton of magnification for old eyes. Yeah, I hear it all the time. Definitely. My old eyes. My old eyes this. My old eyes that. I need 40 power to be, you know, I'm, I'm 60 years old. I need 40 power to be able to see out here. That is retarded. What older eyes need is more resolution and clarity, not more magnification. And when you zoom the scope up to 40 power, I don't care what kind of scope you have. If you paid $5,000 for one of the March scopes, or Schmidt and Bend Over, like we talked about in the last one, that I was like a five, that to, 5 to 40. The Schmidt and Bend Over. Yeah. But, uh, it has a nice ring to it. Probably comes with a piece of toast. <laughs> but, Seriously, though, but that no, thing crashed. Two times in a row, and it was almost it was almost eight thousand yeah, dollars. But uh, anyway, how did they do that with a straight face? Well, they're not straight, so I mean that's probably how. I like them already, Terry. <laughs> but but anyway, so you don't need all this magnification for old eyes. What you want is a very clear scope. If you've got the money to put into it, get yourself an Athlon Chronos or a Night Force um, Attacker or a loophole Mark V, or, or something like that that is just super clear. If you don't have that kind of money to put into a scope and you can muster up about $600, get you an Athlon Midas TAC 6-24. Those are going to be extremely clear, and I think you'll find that even with your old eyes at 15 to 20 power within that range, I normally say 10 to 16 is actually the best. Uh, within 10 to 16 power, you're going to find enough clarity there that you're actually going to be amazed at what you can see with that. Yeah, you, you need that field of view, and, and we emphasize, you know, spotting your impact in the scope. And just a quick note on that, what we see most often is people say, I can't see my impact, can't see my impact, and I'll, after the shot goes off, and I'll say, were you looking for the target in the field of view, or were you looking at the reticle? Well, it's looking to reticle. Well, there's your first mistake. Yeah. When the shot goes off, Pretend that you're looking through a spotting scope. Ignore the reticle. You're just looking for your target in that field of view, and you want to see where that shot lands. If it's at the very bottom right extreme of your scope, <clears throat> but you can still see the target, do not worry about getting the crosshair back on target yet until you've seen that impact. Yeah. Once you've seen it, then, yeah, get the crosshair back on as quickly as you can. But what we see routinely over and over again is that once people start spotting their shots in their own scope, they get very easily able to do it. Well, once you see it the first couple times... You can't unsee it. Right. It's kind of like uh, seeing the trace, uh, or the, what a lot of people call vapor trail. It's not vapor trail, but a lot of people will call it that. You'll hear it that a lot of... Yeah, vapor trail people. and heat trace are totally different. Right. But the heat trace is what you're looking for. But once you see it... Uh, you can't and unsee you, it. Right. And you know what you're looking for. It's like for. that Sam Brenton Minister of Nuclear Waste Bang. that Barack Obama hired, you know, so you'd have... I think they're both pussies and faggots. That dude is. You know, <laughs> Obama hired him so he could have access to him and 
He told Chairman Biden, this will be fine. We need to measure nuclear waste. When you see that freak, you can't unsee him. Did you see that meme I put on with word of mouth today? The the uh, whack-a-queer? What was that? It, it, it had like the little whack-a-mole game that you see at the carnival and stuff like that. And, I, and I, there was like three of the moles stuck up <clears throat> with a hammer about to hit them. And uh, I, I photoshopped uh, Sam Brenton's face onto the middle one and Obama's face onto the right one and Lindsey Graham's face onto the left one. And I, and I said, uh, in honor of Pride Month, I have found this awesome new game and this, this way that we can uh, interact with the LGBT community. I call it Whack a Queer. <laughs> well, there are three. Uh, Lindsey Graham hits and misses. But, and, uh, I think he's bad for the other team, man. Well, he, he's not flaming, at least. Uh, I, don't, I, just, I, don't I, don't, I don't like how he purports to be a conservative. And then he turns around and acts like the January 6th insurrection, Terry, was some kind of a real thing that needs to be dealt with. Yeah. If, he, if, if people haven't figured out yet that that was a corrupt FBI psyop run by the cabal, then they're probably walking around going, Ain't no doubt. CNN would never lie to me. I done heard this on the, the Washington Post. <laughs> All right. Um, we like Douglas Barrels, Charleston, West Virginia. I'm going to talk a little bit about this. Uh, a good friend of ours, I'm eating half of a soap, Doria. Nobody cares. <laughs> See, nobody cares. Nobody will care. I think I have that one on here somewhere, if I can find it. Listen, folks, you got a dip of Oreo and some Johnny Walker Black or some Cartoon Girl. Those are my two favorite. Johnny Walker Black and Cartoon Girl. Cartoon Girl is, what is that? Black. Dodson. Dodson. We've got Dodson here. Nobody cares. <laughs> People care. I doubt it. I do they care. I doubt it. Anyway. Very, very good. And um, you need to learn to do that. It will help you with um, your troubles in life. It, go ahead with it. You're you tell me. Cause I don't uh, yeah, I, I, you totally derailed it. I don't know where we're at. You derailed it. No, oh, oh, I derailed it. You're the one going you're on, on the Oreo about trail. That lesion, that leech, that, that succubus was on my arm. 15 minutes ago. But it, you were to, oh, we're I'm, talking about Douglas Barrel. This is called post-traumatic stress that you put me under because I thought I had a succubus on my arm. And when I looked at it, it daggone sure looked like it. It looked like a leech. <laughs> And it was a, it was a, it, it was, was a fourth of an Oreo that had melted onto his arm. But uh, but that's what we're it talking about. Onto my Douglas Barrels, um, Charleston West. So Virginia. anyway, we've had nothing but good experience with them. We've never seen a bad Douglas Barrel. Everything has been great with them. Unfortunately, Stan Taylor, the fellow that did a lot of the the work up there. I mean, I won't say he ran the place, but he darn near did. He did a lot for Douglas, and I think they're realizing that now because. Uh, since he's he's passed, um, we've had our, our first report of trouble. Of trouble, and uh, I'm hoping that they can get this sorted out. I'm actually going to call Tim Gardner tomorrow. He's the owner of Douglas, and uh, and talk to him a little bit and just see, you know, just very politely explain to him the situation because I actually doubt he's aware of what happened with our friend. Um, and I'm sure he, he won't mind if we mention who it is. It's Randy. Uh, you know, he shoots competitions with us. Here quite a bit, and and basically and he, he went to them on our recommendation. Right, and so this makes us look bad if they're not giving good customer service. This is why I'm going to call Tim tomorrow just make sure that everything's sorted out. I'm sure Tim didn't know anything about this. I'm not blaming him at all, but uh, but anyway, the long story short here, he ordered a barrel, and um, they they told him it was going to be about two to three weeks to get it, and as per usual, Douglas, you got it to him sooner, but they sent him the wrong one. Uh, which is the first time I've ever heard of them doing that. Basically, he ordered a 6.5 barrel blank. I think it was a 7.5 twist. They sent him a 2.70 barrel and a 7.5 twist. They told him he could keep that. Yeah, which was kind of them. And they said that we're, we're sorry for the mistake. We're going we're gonna to get this taken care of for you. We're going to send out a rush order and, and get this corrected, and you can keep the other barrel. We don't really need it back. And that sounded awesome. And then it's like, okay, 
the rush order in Randy's mind and anybody's mind is going to be okay sooner than the first order, or, or at least the same amount of time. Yeah. And so he waited the same amount of time that it took to get the first barrel, and he calls him about it and says, you know, wants an update on it, and you know, politely asks, hey, "What's going on with the barrel? I'm, you know, I've not got it yet. I was told I was going to get a rush order." And the lady on the phone basically told him that um, she didn't know anything about the barrel. She didn't have any um, knowledge of where it would be or when it would be made or anything like that. At one point, she said something to the effect that they lost it or something like that. <laughs> well, listen. And, and but, but anyway, and she told him over the phone that uh, she was going to talk to her boss, which I don't know who that is at the moment. I, I doubt if she was talking about Tim directly. It could have been. It could have been, but I, I don't think Tim has any knowledge of this. I'll, I'll be very surprised if he does because Tim is a stand-up guy, and he's not going to allow this to go on. Anyway... After uh, the three or four days passed that uh, she was supposed to get back to, to Randy and, and update him on it, she didn't. She never got back to him, and so he calls again to get an update, and she says, oh, well, we just canceled the order uh, because we just we couldn't find it. We, we don't know what, what you really want us to do, so, so we, we canceled the order. Yeah, that's not good. That's terrible. So listen, um, we've had a – Douglas is like a family. Yes, and when Stan Taylor passed, it rocked their worlds. I think it did. And we have lived through that. You know, your brother died in 2016. Yes. And you are not yourself for a good time. Sure. Beyond that. That's true. And um, I don't, I, there's no way uh, I'm, I'm going to throw, throw a dog. Oh, I'm not throwing them under, no, not at all. Because they... <clears throat> do make excellent and, and out of all the transactions I've ever had with them, which has been a lot, and all the transactions that uh, our clients that we've recommended uh, go to Douglas have had with them, I have not seen anything like this. This is the first time and it's happened directly after them losing Stan. Yeah. So I, I'm going to chalk that, it up, that I'm chalk it up world, that. I mean, I know Travis said, okay, you know, this happened outside of Stan. Nothing happens outside of Stan passing. Yeah. You know, everyone's impacted by it. Everyone is affected by it. And you have to give them a little time to back sure. up, regroup. And I, I certainly, I believe that they will. Like I said, I'm going to call Tim tomorrow and, and see what we can we can get worked out. I mean, I, I, think, that, um, I think that everything's going to be good with them. But, you know, I don't think there's any need for worry at the moment. I wouldn't think so either. I just, uh, you know, want everybody to understand that that is... It's not a small company. They can make a thousand barrels for every one that Hawk Hill can bend over and put out their rear end. They can. They're big. And I'm not busting on Hawk Hill. I like Sean. But Those I'm, guys are facts. No, 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 Sean's, Sean's not. Uh, Sean, Sean. The, the other guy that's... Uh, no, I'm not. Yeah. Don't, please. His, his name rhymes with pricks. Maybe he's turned over a new leaf. Maybe he's done like uh, Super Dave up there in Oregon. Super Dave. You know, kissing that gal on the cheek. Yeah, huh? he's in the game recovery ministry. Yeah. Um, no, I, I just... Let me say this, people. Publicly, certainly, audibly. If you are operating any sort of a company that gets backed into a corner by a bunch of jersey-wearing competitors... Competitors... Well, I was gonna say I was gonna say retards. I want to be in the Special Olympics. Those guys. And you have red-blooded heterosexual American patriots trying to purchase something from you, and you backhand them eight to ten months down the calendar because you are in compromising positions with jersey-wearing companions. If that's you, if that is you, then, you know, okay, okay, is your way, it's okay, but yeah. quit denying it. Yeah. Douglas never did that. No. They will never do that. They make good barrels. They make, I would say, the best. I mean, now, not because they're far more accurate than anything else out there. There are other companies out there that can make a barrel that's just as accurate. Many of them are buying Douglas yes. barrels, hand-lapping them, yep. chambering them, and calling them their own. A lot of people don't realize that, but Douglas, where they have the capacity to make so many barrels, that is the case. They ship pallets and pallets of blank barrels out 
all the time. If you go to take a tour of the facility, you're likely to see a couple of pallets. There are probably hundreds in each I one. I saw a dozen pallets going to the same vendor yeah. when I was there. Right. I, I mean, so basically, a lot of barrels that you think are a heart barrel or a this barrel or a that barrel, they're Douglas barrels. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they make fantastic barrels. And, I mean, that's a fact. But I, some I, of these places, they put their own spin on it. It's like that company Celine or Saline or however you say it. With the they, cars. They buy Mustangs. Yeah. And they put their own little frou-frou on it. Now, they do make their own stuff, too, I believe. Oh, uh, sure. But you know, so that's what's going on. But the base car is Mustang, the base barrel. Not at all. Many of these yeah. cases are gotcha. Douglas barrels. And I'm out of whiskey again. Yeah, and that's probably Ooh, a blessing. Ooh, it's not good. Well, we're a little over an hour in, so I think we're probably good to, to close on out of here. But, uh... Close on out of here. Um, all right. Well, folks, we do appreciate you all listening. We are watching the numbers of a co I'm not going to name them because I wouldn't want them naming us, to be honest with you. But two of your top long-range shooting podcasts are, are trending down. Uh, we're treading water. This is the time of year when people don't listen as much as normal. Um, our competitors are trending down, and we're, like, holding our own. And I, I consider that good. I do too, and, and I'm not going to name the other podcast. Don't worry, but I will just tell you why that they're you know losing the uh, the listeners. They're pretty boring podcasts. I mean, they don't have have any humor. They don't have anything informational other than just no. Stuff they do that, have information. Well, stuff that they've been taught that they believe. A lot of it's wrong, but uh, you know, it's it's not something that's really going to benefit you as a long range shooter. A lot of people think it does, especially your your newbies. But uh, I think that's the biggest reason that they're they are losing. Uh, but in, I don't think they're going to lose their audience. They're no, still, they're not. They're still going to gain an audience. It's just that summer is here, vacation is here. People are doing different things, and people don't download as much. Winter is is a lot better for for podcasts, um, obviously. Yeah, when people are inside and want to do something, you know. But you still get quite a few downloads during sure. the summer year, but. You know, uh, I, I was just watching them and just thought I'd point that out. And I'm thankful for all of you folks who do listen to us. And, uh, you know, I, I got an email from a trucker from Canada. And um, I enjoyed what he had to say uh, the other day. And, um, and it's, you know, it's, it's very appreciated. He calls himself Charlie Rich. I might be his real name, but that is a, 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 that was a musician from country music lore of long ago great podcast to drive a truck so I've listened to them all a while back I learned that you Dan had just learned about Volbeat this is months ago and I'm just checking in now my thought then was have you ever heard of One Bad Son I listened to some of this group One Bad Son they're out of Saskatoon Saskatchewan I did look that up and that is where they're from so there's a lot of good Canadian musicians up there and there's a lot of Canadian patriots and when I use the word patriots I mean by patriot, I mean we will slit your throats and drink your blood before we will give our freedom over to you. I don't care if I live in freaking Beijing, China. You know, this is a human right, the right of self-defense, to keep and bear arms, to stand up against a tyrannical oppressor. Amen? Right. Absolutely. Amen. Any closing comments? I have some closing comments. Every gun law is an infringement of the Second Amendment. And the fact that I can't go to my local hardware store, let's just say Home Depot or Lowe's, and buy a disassembled FA-18 Hornet and just assemble it, you know, that was kind of like a, a Lego set, but for adults. And, you know, for grown-ups. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, just assemble that sucker and... Uh, fly that motherfucker. Hell yeah. Fully loaded. I'm not just talking about a disarmed one. That'd be gay. I'm talking about like fully loaded. Yeah. I think that needs to happen, but, but you know, our Second Amendment rights been trampled. It's been, yeah, the fact that I can't do that is all the evidence that I need that the Second Amendment has been trampled in the dirt. Exactly. I mean, we've been infringed upon. TJ is rolling over TJ his grave. He would want me to be able to go to the hardware store and buy an f exactly Even if it, you know, obviously you got to pay a fair price for it. I'm not saying it should be free, but I mean, if you got the money to buy one, you buy one. Yeah, exactly. You just, you know, you, we just pay for it. It's free. Yeah, you just pay for it. But seriously, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, we, um, a homework assignment, homework assignment, podcast listeners, 
look up the Virginia Constitution, the Constitution of the Commonwealth of Virginia, Section 1, Article 13, and that's as much as I'll say, Virginia Constitution, Section 1, Article 13. And then when a bunch of flaming little libtards try to tell you that the Second Amendment in the Bill of Rights only referred to the National Guard, you can send that two by four in a roundhouse swing to their mouth and it's knocked the living, whatever you want to call it, out of them. Hell out of their teeth. Well, I'm going to say hell. <laughs> this is a family friendly podcast. Durr. 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 Uh, email us, bangsteel at fastmail.com. The email to get in touch with Forrest is Forrest, 1R in Forrest, Newberry, 2Rs in Newberry, 243 at com, or our wildcard line, which is bangsteel at gmail.com. This song is by Madball. Which is a pretty cool band, New York Hardcore. Let me let me tell you what a mad ball is, just so you know. A mad ball, you pull your tube sock off your foot, you drop a billiard ball into it, and you, and swing you come that out around. swinging that motor flower. That's a mad ball. This is called DNA. Yeah.